The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now it's time to look back at some of the key topics of the week, including uh, the nursing home charges story, uh, all those anti-refugee protests. Uh, we'll talk about uh, the OMA statutory inquiry, which has been announced by the Northern Secretary of the British Government going ahead with that. And there are so many other stories we might touch upon, like the NCT backlog and all of that. I'm joined uh, by Pavel Tobin, a leader of Ainthu, Louisa Riley, Sinn Féin TD for Dublin Fingal. And uh, we are joined by Jennifer Carroll McNeil, TD and Minister of State for Financial Services, Credit Unions and Insurance and uh, Fine Gael TD for Dunleary. Uh, good morning and welcome to you all. Um, I want to start uh, with a story that I was just thinking about it. It happened in 1998, the OMA bombing. Uh, that's 25 years ago this year in August. If you're 35 years old, you were 10 when this happened. You know, so, so many people listening to us won't really understand the impact that it had at the time because we thought with the Good Friday Agreement that everything was kind of going to be sorted. Um, Jennifer, the Irish government, they may be called upon to do their part in parallel with this statutory inquiry organised by the British. The Irish government won't be found wanting in cooperating and finding, doing anything that they can do to support this inquiry, to make sure that any information that is available in this state is made available. Even if it's embarrassing. The Irish government has a very strong interest in making sure that everything about the OMA bombing and indeed all of the legacy matters are addressed appropriately and the Minister for Justice will be discussing that with his government colleagues to see what extra help is needed. You know, we've, we've more information to get and how and how to handle that. But I think, as you've said, this was the most shocking event because of its scale, because of its enormous loss of life because of the enormous trauma because of the way that it happened because of the timing of that it happened after after we thought we hoped that uh, peace might have been secured in Northern Ireland uh, I was 17 at the time and I will never ever forget that day uh, as, as anybody else who was who, who was around at that time will never forget the trauma and that shocking disregard for life by dissident IRA members who carried out that yeah, act. One of the issues of course uh, Pather is that um, who knew what I mean, that's what this inquiry hopefully will get to the bottom of it, because there was all sorts of murky stuff about intelligence agencies having knowledge that something was going down and information not being passed on. Numerous inquiries have not got to the bottom of that. Yeah, I think one of the biggest outcomes of all the different inquiries that look back and the troubles in the north has been all the different levels of, let's say, state involvement, whether and they they had you know uh, spies or they had people in the inside they had informers uh, all that information and you know some of the information has come out has been shocking that you know in in some cases British informers have been involved in killings or they at least uh, have been involved in the direction of killings uh, etc. Not in this case I, I, I should say that there's no evidence of that and um, but it shows that there's many layers of state involvement into what happened in the North over the years. I think one of the outcomes for this for me is that this is happening, thank God, at last. And the state needs in the South needs to do everything it can to help. Um, but we're also looking at the legacy bill going yeah. through uh, Westminster at the moment, yeah. which would in itself delete, not this because it happened after the Good Friday Agreement, but would delete s- similar previous to the Good Friday Agreement from ever having a chance. And we know the parties in, in Northern Ireland are, are united against mm-hmm. the legacy bill. It's very Indeed. hard to unite everybody on, in the North on anything. Yeah. And this Indeed, is one. Padder and I were in Washington mm-hmm. DC in June on this, uh, making exactly this case together collectively mm-hmm. on behalf of the Irish state to uh, led to legislators in, uh, you know, the Republican and the Democratic side about how important this legacy legislation was and how much opposed we were to it collectively yeah. right across all of the political parties. Louise? 
there's definitely unanimity in relation to that uh, that legacy bill. But I think what we need to see now is a very deep dialogue with the families and with the people who uh, who are involved. And I think any measure of how this is going to work will be measured by the faith um, that the, that the families yeah. will have. In I it. heard Michael Gallagher yesterday saying he thought he'd never live to see the day when the British government would do this. Uh, the proof will be in the pudding, though. It and will. It will. And, and but there, there there is hope from this, and yeah. I think that's the important thing. Michael Gallagher is a hero for keeping the campaign along with the other campaigners mm. for so long against so many obstacles. Um, you know, we are delighted today to see that at least the start of the process is happening and we hope that it'll get to the truth okay. in the end. Now, we've been digging into our own uh, history in terms of the nursing home uh, story, which uh, broke last Sunday in the in the Daily Mail. And this is about whether people were improperly charged for their nursing home care. Uh, and then uh, the state kind of... N- hiding the cases uh, so they'd never get to court in order not to open the floodgates. Jennifer, um, Miel Martin, the Tonishta, interesting yesterday in saying, look, how much of this breast beating do we have to do about the past? Um, we've got to think of what we need to do in the present. Do you go along with that? Well, I think two different things. One, I'm not sure that we have all of the information in relation to this nursing home case. And I know the legal, the Attorney General is providing a report to Cabinet on Tuesday, which will be published and shared. And, you know, a week seems like a long time in politics, but it's very short time in terms yeah, of but just still the drip, gathering information. Yeah, you know, exactly. every day, another story, exactly. so, not so, doing so that's any what but let's get the information, Pat, and let's see what's there. But I, on a separate issue, what the Tonsha said yesterday, I thought was actually very, very important. There's a number of different issues that have never gone to court or have gone to court and not been successful for the applicant, where the state has stepped in and provided redress and provided support. Uh, symphysiostomy. I'm sorry, I really find it difficult to say that word correctly. I just can't say that word correctly. Um, the MICA, a whole range of different, uh, different issues where the state has provided support to people who have really needed support without any reference necessarily to court or successful court outcomes they're quite different But this seems to be the opposite avoiding uh, court where court proceedings were ongoing the last thing you do is you go to court you settle that's it. Well, that, that happens in many, many different cases. But I don't want to get into defending a process where I don't have all of the information yet. I just don't want to do that. The Attorney General is providing a report to Cabinet on the legal process involved, the legal strategy Louise? involved. And I think, I think it's the, important that um, we get to see yeah, that. I think uh, what we know so far, what's in the public domain, is there are three strands to this. So there's obviously uh, the, the people who were in nursing homes, elderly, vulnerable people. Uh, who some um, most definitely did have an entitlement uh, to, to... I just want to uh, stop on that word mm-hmm, because there definitely. was a lot of kind of dancing on the, the, the point of a pin about yes. eligibility versus entitlement. Mm. Yes, and some would have been eligible and by that eligibility would have been entitled uh, to uh, to the free nurse and home care. And we know that there are people... No, but You know, who, the, we talked to during the week about mm-hmm. the difference between eligibility, I think it was with uh, Roshan Shorthall. Like you might be entitled to a home care or, or eligible for home care yes. package but if there's no package there you don't get it Yes and we, we need to find out and you know we, we are awaiting the publication of more information but from what is in the public domain we can see that this is into three strands so there are people who um, had significant and profound disabilities who were incapable of advocating for themselves who were uh, denied their disability allowance there's people who were in section 38 and 39 um, agencies in essentially getting nursing home care that was discussed at the, the PAC yesterday um, by my colleague Matt Carty and then there are people in nursing homes so there are three strands to this and all three are equally important but there's a thread running through them these are vulnerable people these are people who in some instances could not advocate for themselves they came up against the state the state has deep 
pockets and the capacity to challenge. Okay, pa- and we know yeah. that the strategy was yeah. to settle quietly and to, yeah. to leave people. Um, you so know. There was something that came up earlier this morning in the programme when we were talking to Pat McDonough of Supermax and about going to court and settling mm-hmm. and all the rest. But, uh, you know, the experience that I've had with various litigations over the years for uh, different radio stations and so on, that uh, at the beginning of a process, you're told you have a 90 percent chance of winning. Mm-hmm. Then the months pass. <laughs> Mm. As you get closer to the court date, your legal team is saying, well, it could be 50 50 well, now. You look and at then what you get really the, close and the, you've no chance at mm. all. Yeah, but if you look at what happened with the people who were in um, in the Section 38 and 39 homes, out of the thousands impacted by this, 500, just I think it was 515 of them, took cases. Those cases were denied initially on appeal. They won. The state then had a mind to take their own appeals officer to court. They were dissuaded from doing that. Those cases were all settled. But what we don't know is what happened to the thousands of people who could mm. have been involved See, in this and who weren't. Pat, this is not a policy that's in the past. This is a policy that actually exists at the moment. The state's policy at the moment is in many cases is to fight tooth and nail in the most callous, most aggressive legal fashion against people who have had adverse incidents against them as a result of state actions. Many of those people are, are, are vulnerable. Many of those people don't have the, the economic uh, ability to fight the state. But that's the state's instinct. It does that on a regular basis. It You're talking about, not say, clear. HSE cases <laughs> where uh, they settle finally after, maybe without uh, admitting Absolutely. liability and on the steps of the this, court. They, 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 tr- they, tr- they try the to push it as long as they can. They try to push as long as they can. And as well, look at, look at Patricia Carrick in terms of cervical check right up until the week uh, that she passed away she, she was being McCall, fought Vicky uh, so many people are actually fought strategically to keep it as long as possible right up until uh, they're, they're in trouble potentially from, from losing their lives so that they have mm. to settle and this, this policy is government policy right now in relation to this Jennifer I think we need to get the information from the Attorney General. There's a question about the... But the generality of that point, because we see again and again uh, HSE cases which are finally settled and uh, the parents of a child come out and they make a speech and they I say, actually, we've been put through the mill for seven years. I want, to, sorry, I want to be very careful with that, if you don't mind, from a personal perspective, because I have personal experience of that and I don't want to say something that crosses a line in terms of you know, conflict of interest or anything else. So can I be careful with that? Um, but what I do want to say is separate to that. So I probably understand that perhaps experience maybe more than others in the studio. Can I say separately that on the um, response by government to historical questions, there is a point there. There is a question around how far the state should go back in relation to things that people were were or were not entitled to and what extra it does, what it has done in respect of MICA, Pyrite, the additional support that it provides to people in a whole range of but different But why should this be different then? Um, it let, let can I can we go back and just let's get the facts from the Attorney General about what's we, don't forget that the Oireachtas put through a scheme that the Oireachtas voted for in 2009 in respect of how nursing charges would be managed uh, how nursing home entitlements and charges would be managed yeah, that, is, that, that, is a, that is a very important the, fact the, the very aggressive wrote government in her Ombudsman's report um, that, um, that these individuals had an entitlement uh, to cover from the, from the state the state's own legal uh, advice was to fight these so that a court case wouldn't crystallise that right uh, for other people. So they were they were fighting this on mm. the understanding. What, what do you make of, of the Taoiseach uh, suggesting this is a perfectly legitimate I, legal strategy exactly. that you concede nothing because the you know the courts are um, it's, it's, a law, no, it's, a it's, I'm sorry no, no, there, there's a difference though Pat in cases where the state knows that they uh, do not have a prospect of winning and where they are 
against and let's be honest with that's the way they behave in an adversarial way vulnerable people people who in some instances can't advocate for themselves the strategy of you know to, to let it run out or to hope that it will go away or to hope that the, the strategy will outlive the people involved that is very cruel and people see that for what it all is right. Well we shall see how all of this unfolds Jennifer has promised us that the uh, AG will uh, give us the facts uh, more quickly rather than otherwise. Um, Refugee uh, and migrant protests that are going on. Um, You know, we've had various uh, reports from our chief reporter, Barry White. First of all, uh, that over 5,000 people arrived last year without papers Mm. or with fake documentation. Then we have ordinary people saying, look, it's it's not that we're uh, anti-refugees. It's just that not here, not that many and please, we're not racist. Listen to us. Um, it's hard to find, you know, where the, the real temperature of this whole mm. saga lies. I think there's a balance here and there's a common sense here. I think most people want to do the right thing by people who are fleeing violence, war uh, and uh, oppression. Most people want to be the good Samaritan in this, but they also want a process that works fairly. So I do think that, you know, the government has, has been a disaster in the manner that they've delivered their policy. You know, we need consultation with communities. We can't have the situation where um, communities are finding out in the last minute that this is happening. You know, communities have a right to have a say over what happens in their own areas. But, but they don't have a just, now, just to What clarify, do you mean by that exactly? No, just well, to clarify, I, I, by the way, we're in a terrible emergency situation, according to the reports that Roderick O'Gorman has been begging uh, his colleagues correct. in government for help. Any yeah. spare space you have, we need to put down sleeping bags. We need well, to get a roof over people's Pat, heads. The, the, the discussion that you had yesterday morning about that is, is uh, about the amount of people who are coming over without documentation or false documentation, you know, leads to that, that, that stress that's in the system. We do need to have a, a system that makes sure that people who are come over, come, coming over here are real refugees and real asylum seekers. But the process is taking 18 yeah. months on average. I, I know of a case that has taken 14 years for an application to be processed. 5,000 cases are three years waiting to be processed mm-hmm. at the moment. You know, that's an incredible situation. Those people need to be processed so the real asylum okay. seekers can be Jennifer, helped. do you want to reply? Well, the first thing is, it is a year on and in that period we've accommodated 66,000 people in different ways. We are now at a stage where we have more and more people coming from Ukraine in particular, more than any Anywhere else, listening to Padre, you think it wasn't that the balance was different, but it is overwhelmingly from Ukraine. I've who never are never mentioned the location of, of travel at all. They're talking about if you look at the balance of the numbers that have come, it's overwhelmingly people from, coming from Ukraine. We have seventy-two thousand people that have been given permission. We've sixty-six thousand of those people here, and we are accommodating them. Of course, we are continuing to look for more space, and of course, communities want to be consulted and should be consulted. But that doesn't equate to a veto on on what happens. Mm. There is also support provided for all of the communities where. They are taking in extra people where they are accommodating extra people. There is yeah, a but scheme. That there is a sorry, Louise, sorry, Louise, or sorry, Louise, services, sorry, Louise. And that's where the in issue is. In fact, it does. In fact, it does. In fact, it does. There are additional and a temporary. There are not just additional GP services, but there are temporary GP clinics being assigned and allocated. But this is a pro- this is a real time issue though where we're how trying many, to accommodate. Sorry, just, excuse how many me, Louise, GPs have been appointed? Excuse me. May I just finish? There is fifty million euros being dedicated to communities to do up to support sports clubs community centres, community facilities in recognition and in additional support to communities.
communities where more people are coming in. People have to come in and they need to... There are 12, 15,000 so, so children I, I in schools, if I, accommodated in schools, including 400 in your constituency who are being supported and integrated yeah. in every, in okay, every way. And people absolutely are doing their best. I'd be very interested to know how many additional GPs have been provided, um, Jennifer, because I don't see them. Um, and certainly when, uh, you know, the experience that com- of communities in Roscommon that they had was that, you know, it was live horse, get grass. You know, they didn't get the services and that did cause, uh, you know, it caused a lot of strain on existing services. So when you're dealing with communities that feel like they have been left behind by the government who don't have a huge amount by way of services, who don't have a huge amount, who have long waiting lists or you mm. can't get on, you okay. can't get into but a GP. The, the fundamental argument we're, we're trying to... Point, additional pressures on that okay. are, but, but are going to cause... That are unseemly when you have uh, protests outside uh, prospective uh, migrant centres and the idea that they might be hijacked by people on the far right in other words they get the temperature of a community who are a bit nervous maybe understandably about uh, an influx of strangers all at the one time because mm-hmm. normal growth happens mm-hmm. you know in a yeah, serial that, that's fashion a, that's yeah. a, an information vacuum and what you do with that is you fill it with information so yeah. that you give people advance notice of what's happening so that there isn't so people have that information and they know when no, they see told when they see on a whatsapp and, and group this, you know, thing, this thing is happening they'll know yeah. in advance because they will yeah, have been told does, that it's not does that telling not people at the last minute is, is, is not good suppose practice. you're told you've got 200 single men coming to your town and people think well single men gangs, trouble, da, da, da. wrongly perhaps they could be uh, very you know, responsible single men who are going to be integrating in the community given half the chance. But when you say that people say I don't want those. But if you said, if that's all you say it, you know, I suppose that, that you might cause an issue but if you have a meeting where people can come and ask questions and where people can come and be told about the additional GPs, we still don't know how many have actually been deployed as yet, but where people can be told there are going to be additional GPs and this is where they're going to be there's going to be additional services. That hasn't happened. That you has see, not happened. Jennifer, is, sorry, it's an and administrative it convenience to put 200 young men for example in the one place mm. for administration purposes but socially is it the right thing to do maybe so it is you know if they're from the same country if you've got 20 Syrians and you've got 20 Albanians and whatever but I think they the can talk to each other no matter what is done it is not appropriate for people to be intended accommodation which we know that has happened yeah. on a number of occasions pa- and is likely to happen again Pallor. it's now, very very just, cold just we need to be humane Pallor. and Pallor. look at people. the incompetency in the government in relation to this so in March 500 buildings were identified by Roderick O'Gorman for the provision of accommodation for asylum seekers. By the end of November, 10 of those were in place. The government have bought 34 buildings for accommodation of asylum seekers. Right now, one of those is in place. Out of 85% of the people who actually pledged individual private home accommodation for asylum seekers were not activated in relation to making those spaces available. So that's in part is causing the, the, the serious division. Community dividends are not happening in working class areas where there isn't a, a lack of, of doctors, accommodation, transport and school places. Whatever about the, the government are saying, we have government ministers who campaigned against travellers being put in their leafy owned suburbs themselves. We had government ministers campaigning against blocks of apartments being built in their own constituencies, now giving out to working class constituencies that they want a community dividend to be able to facilitate um, 
um, people in their own communities. Jennifer. As such divisive commentary. That's just such divisive commentary. Working class and leafy. It's such divisive commentary. This is about every community in Ireland. Every is single community in Ireland. Incorrect, Jennifer, in, in, in every community in Ireland. I was uh, speaking with people from Lismore who described it as a heritage town. There's a, a hotel there where people are going to, where, where it's going to be opened up. What are you talking about? About there dividing pro- people like that? Like, what are you talking you, about? I know exactly what. Excuse me, you asked me a question. No, no. I know, I didn't actually ask you a question. lack of consultation. And actually the campaigners said that if they were consulted with they could be part of the solution. There was, but the government there are people, to consult there, you're, The people want to be consulted. You're absolutely right. And the people, that, for example, in Kildare want not. to be consulted. There are would, there is a real time issue. Louise is talking about trying to put people that the government is trying to put people in tents and wanting to put people in tents. They don't. They want to get them accommodated as they quickly as possible. The they right want now, to Jennifer. get them accommodated the as quickly as possible. And they want as Dara O'Brien said today on the on this station, there was a call out last November for additional properties. There are now six thousand people from Ukraine in those properties now. The modular building project be, is beginning oh, this week. Is beginning okay, this week, and there will be two thousand people in that within a number. Of different organisations. It is a constant sense of responding to the number of people that are coming uh, uh, in. What a lot of us are worried about is that right wing agents provocateurs are working on people's maybe understandable fears. Uh, about what you know about change a lot of people are nervous about change that people are exploiting this for their own ends we are a post-colonial post-famine post-migration society that is one of the wealthiest countries in Europe we are a net contributor to the EU we have the capacity to support people we are people have been supported all the way around the world and we are doing it and there will be practical problems every week with that and we are entitled to try to get through that identify the practical problems and respond to them Okay, quick, but don't quick, pretend they're in, not going to be difficult. People being put into tented accommodation. Nobody wanted to see that. But the, it is the sense now that we hear on the on the uh, on the bulletins this morning that there's a call out, an urgent call out from Roderick O'Gorman's department to the other ministers to see if there is uh, if there are any buildings. And I suppose people would scratch their heads and say, well, why wasn't this done previously? You know, everything seems to be delay, delay, delay. And then at the very last minute, communities mm. are advised, and that is what causes. But it's the yeah, sense but, but of is panic. It being exploited by uh, agent provocateur from well, the right. I've, we have seen that happen. Okay. And, and it will be unless the governments do it in partnership with the communities that are, are there. If they if they do it outside of that partnership, they will build division. Yeah, and that, is what Joe, that is what Joe O'Brien is there to, to do and he will do that and it does need more support and that's right. It's not happening. But the, the reality is there will be, this will be an ongoing issue. There is an escalation in the conflict in Ukraine. There will be more and more people coming. Government is going to have to respond to that with additional calls, with additional measures, with additional modular homes. That is not a sense of panic. That is a sense of responding to the scale of people coming and needing to do more and more and more at every stage. There is no way that you... you, you, you that is, it is a practical difficulty that is being managed on a week by week real time basis that is the only way that you can oh. manage a practical problem but it is not as, as you're saying a disaster it is not this. there are people used the word right at you it's Chaos. Chaos. I, I did. Chaos. 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 and I'll tell you what, I there are 12 okay. when you put people Chaos. on the streets Chaos. 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 the weekend is about to begin this new Biddy Bank Holiday, which is happening on Monday. My thanks to you all for making time for us this Friday. Uh, Jennifer Carroll McNeil, uh, Minister of State for Financial Services, TD for uh, Dun Leary, Paddle Tobin, the leader of Aintu, and Louise O'Reilly, uh, Sinn Féin TD for Dublin Fingal. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.